if I've not met you before, it is such a joy to see you. Thank you so much for coming tonight. And um, if you, yeah, I love to meet people one-to-one, -one, but obviously if I've never met you one-to-one, -one, um, my wife Alice and I are part of the team here. We're the, we, we lead the morning congregation that some of you may have never been to. We're also the, uh, we're the associate pastors as well. So, um, yeah, it's just lovely to see you all. Thanks so much for coming. Um, I'm going to continue the series tonight. We've been doing for the last few weeks this series on kingdom carriers. Uh, so, but before we get into that, we're going to share a kingdom story. So, um, as we look at the subject of kingdom carriers, we, that, what we're kind of talking about is this idea that we are going to have day in, day out, week in, week out. We're going to have kingdom moments. And we'd just love to share these as kingdom stories. So here's one from this week. Claire kind of shared one earlier that happened uh, last Sunday. It's amazing to hear about that kind of word for healing and the shoulders that have been kind of been restored. And we had an amazing one this morning. I had a sense um, in this church about uh, it was for parents of secondary school children, which really resonated with lots of people. So these are kingdom moments, but it's also amazing, even more amazing sometimes when they happen outside of this building, outside of this, this church family. And... Um, so many of you will know Jackie Peach. I don't think Jackie's here tonight. Are you here? Jackie! Can I just say, there's a, there's a reason I can't see you. Everyone look, Jackie's like right at the back. Hello, Jackie. Jackie, I told this story this morning. I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you like to come down and share the story better than I will? Come on, Jackie, come on. So... Guys, if you don't know Jackie, I'll give her an introduction to give her a bit of time to come down. Jackie is an absolutely integral member of our amazing Restore Ministries, does doing incredible relational work uh, with some of the most vulnerable people in our city, asylum seekers, refugees. Uh, this is a lady of God, and we are just so fortunate to have her in our midst. Jackie, come and tell us. Come on, come up here. Come on. I'm going to be in big trouble for this, I'll tell you. Jackie, come and tell us. You had an amazing story this week, didn't you? You and your... Go on, tell us the story. Okay, so I went to um, Salvation Army, uh, which is in Splot. And uh, Lucy, the manager, couldn't get into her office. She blocked her keys in the office. So I said, shall I have a go? Everyone else had had a go at trying to open this door. Um, I'm out of breath. I don't know why I didn't know. Do, do you want me to fill for you quickly? Do you no. Me... no, okay, yeah, no, keep going. You're, you're welcome. I was just like giving myself some time. <laughs> um, so I said, okay, shall we pray first and then I'll have a go? So we prayed and I had to go and I couldn't do it, obviously. And we agreed that it, was, it must be a God thing, that there's a reason that we can't get in there and there's a reason that nobody can open it. So I left and then um, not long after she went into the cafe in Salvation Army and she saw two builders and she got chatting to them and she told them, that uh, she couldn't, she locked her keys in the office and couldn't get in. And one of them, uh, he said, you know what? He said, um, I'm, not, I'm not a Christian, but I really believe that Jesus is real. And I really feel that God is telling me to um, fix the door. To, I'll, I'll take the lock off, get you a new lock. I'm going to cancel my next job. I'm going to go out and buy some keys and sort it all out for you. And I'm not going to charge you. And he says, I don't know why, I feel like this is, I don't go to church, I don't read the Bible, but I really feel this overwhelming urge to do this for you. And she was like, oh, well, actually, we, we did just pray, and we felt that there was a reason that we couldn't open it. And he was just like, almost at the point of tears, this big, burly builder, and it just really broke him and confirmed to him that God was real. And it was just a lovely moment of the kingdom breaking through. Yes. Yeah. 
Thank you, Jackie. So that's the end of the preach. That's all we need to say. That's what it's all about. Um, yeah, we want to just keep hearing these stories, okay, over the next few weeks. As a church, we believe that, you know, to borrow C.S. Lewis imagery, Aslan is always on the move. The Father is always at work. Kingdom of God is always breaking in, okay, into our everyday lives. So, if you've got a story over the next week or so, email it in. The email is kingdomstories at cardiffvineyard.org. Okay, so send in. So, we're going to look at a few other things tonight. Um, Alice and I, before we moved to Cardiff about nine years ago, we used to live in London, we used to live in Hammersmith, and we both worked for this incredible charity called Resurgo. And our roles were slightly different, but it was <coughs> me, two different programs, but very similar type work. I was working in schools and colleges across West London, and Alice was working, uh, basically going into job centres, uh, working with people who were kind of uh, the common denominator. For, they were all people probably under the age of 24, 25. Obviously, the kids I was working with were teenagers, and very disaffected, disillusioned young people. Um, often on the edge of exclusion in school or really struggling with their studies or uh, long-term unemployed, uh, perhaps, you know, not done any training. And people who have really, really kind of disenfranchised, if you like. Um, they had opportunities in front of them, but they were just kind of stuck where they were. They just couldn't kind of step forward, just, you know, break, the, break that kind of cycle, couldn't step into something new. And we realised as you do more and more of that kind of work, that you can give people kind of knowledge, you can give them the tools, you can tell them what to do, you can help them, you can kind of practice things with them, rehearse things with them, you can coach them, you can give them feedback, you know, try and build in these habits. But actually, it, was, it didn't really go, didn't get, didn't, didn't get them really anywhere. And the reason was just, actually, before you did any of that stuff, you had to go back to the start of the process. And the start of the process, you said to someone, well, Actually, how do you feel about this? Where are you at with this? Do you want your life to change? Do you want your life to look different? Do you feel like it needs to? Do you feel like it ever can? And all too often what we'd hear back, I certainly would hear back from in the classroom or, or wherever I was, was people just saying, well, look, ultimately, I, I don't need to change. I don't feel the need to change. I don't think, or maybe it was, I don't, feel, I don't think I can. Or maybe it was like, I, I don't even want to. This isn't important to me. And what it really spoke to was that what's incredibly important in life is your mindset. What I mean by mindset is your, your heart and your mind. What's kind of, what do you actually kind of own in your feelings? Because if we really want to see genuine transformation in, your, in someone's life or in your own life, it starts with a transformed mindset. It's very difficult to bring about transformation unless the mind and the heart is changed first. So that's what I want to look at today. What is the mindset of, the king, of a kingdom carrier? What is the mindset that's required? And what is it possibly that God wants to change and reset in your mindset as we look at the subject? In the last few weeks, we've kind of begun this down this topic. We've had Derek Morphew here a few weeks ago. Hopefully you were here that evening. And he unpacked, what, you know, what do we mean by the kingdom of God? What does it actually mean? What is this kingdom that, we're, that we carry? And he talked about, you know, theological terms. He talked about 
an inaugurated eschatology. Very fancy phrase. I only say it to impress you that I remembered it. But um, basically the now and the not yet. The now and the not yet. He talked about that there is a different reality. It's heaven's reality, God's reality. It's the rule and reign of God that breaks into our lives. But it's the now and the not yet. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. But this is the kingdom of God that we carry. It's not here in all its fullness yet, but it is breaking in. And then last week, Paul spoke, he continued this, this theme of kingdom carriers. He looked at the identity and the authority we have as king, uh, carriers of the kingdom. He talked about the authority that God has bestowed upon us. And I think he gave someone a £10 note. Is that right? Yeah? Well, two people went for it. I heard it was a bit of a scrum. But, um, if I'd been here, I would have been front row. I would have got that £10 note. Missed out. Anyway, so but Paul talks about the fact that right from the beginning, in the Genesis account, in the creation account, we have a cultural mandate to step into the authority God's given us, to bring life to the city and to those around us, to see stories rewritten. And that that authority that we've been given is for absolutely everyone. It's to be exercised everywhere, and it's to be done every day. That's the invitation that God gives us. So I want to continue kind of where Paul, Paul uh, finished last week. We've looked at the invitation that God's given us. But actually, I want to talk about tonight about how do we make sure that we don't miss out on that invitation. What is the mindset that's required for us to step into that invitation, to step forward and grasp it. And the way I want to look at that is to look at what Jesus did with his disciples. I want to look in a minute about how Jesus spoke radically to his disciples and totally recalibrated their, their mindset. But before we do that, let me ask you, just take a moment, what's, what's your starting point? as we look at this subject. What's your own starting point? After the last couple of weeks, we've explored what the kingdom of God is. We've looked at the authority that God is inviting us to step into. So what's your mindset at this point? For me, personally, the last few years have been really quite momentous for me on this kind of subject. If you asked me two, three years ago about it, and I'd been honest... <laughs> which I might not have been. I might have given you the kind of church leader answer. But the real answer would have been that the idea of being a kingdom carrier, someone who really steps into the authority of the kingdom of God, I would have said yes. But probably deep down, part of me would have said, I think that's something that other people do better. I'm not sure I've quite got the right personality for it. I've got a few reservations about it. I'm not sure I'm very good at it. And I think, you know, God started to speak to me because I felt like, you know, if you want a a metaphor for it, I felt like in my life, the idea of being a kingdom carrier was I was like a firework and not a bonfire. And what I mean by that is I had these moments, like a firework goes goes off, fizzles out, goes off, fizzles out, and it's all very short-lived. But actually what I felt like God was saying to me was, don't be a firework, actually build a bonfire. Do you want something that just burns and burns and burns and doesn't go out? 
And actually, I think that's kind of the transformation that I've been on in the last few years of making like a really everyday choice on this. And a big change for me has been linked to, I've, in the last few years, most, well, some of you will know that my role has changed quite significantly. Um, uh, if you weren't aware of it, this church has the privilege, the honour, of running this art centre, one of the key art centres in the, in, 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 um, in the city. And when I, I'm part of the team here. When I started stepping through the doors two and a half years ago, it became clear very quickly, boy, did this place need bringing to life. It really, really did. Uh, in terms of the team here, in terms of its community, its neighbourhood, in terms of its audience, and the people coming through the doors. And not only was I kind of facing up to this idea of, it wasn't just like, well, I'm here, what an opportunity to be a kingdom carrier. It wasn't an opportunity. It very quickly dawned on me and God spoke to me. It was a requirement. You know, I could not come through these doors and not actually really carry the kingdom of God here because it was so desperately needed. So desperately needed. So, each and every morning, it required a choice to step into that mindset. And it's funny, when you start making that choice on a regular basis, it becomes ingrained. And it's also interesting how when you start to really step into the mindset of a kingdom carrier in one area of your life, then it starts to permeate all the other areas. So for me, where God did this most powerfully was in my work life. But it was amazing how it spilled into my family life, my personal life, my social life, and so on. And what we've done here in this venue over the last two, two and a half years is we've started to rewrite the story and change the culture of this venue. A couple of examples. Every Tuesday morning in this venue, most of you won't know this, but we have lots of people from the community come in, often quite isolated people, feeling quite marginalised. And we have one lady, she's in her early 80s, she comes every week for a tea and coffee. And she says to us, she loves the team here. And, you know, she's connected with us on a relational level. She looks after her husband pretty much six and a half days of the week. Uh, she's a full-time carer. And she says, she comes in here, it's the highlight of my week. Meeting with the gate team here is never, she says, never fails to put a smile on my face. And that for us is golden. That's a kingdom moment. It may not be praying for healing or anything like that. It's all good kingdom stuff. But we've seen a life restored. Even if it's only for half a day a week. When she's here, she feels restored. It's an amazing thing. Another thing we do, some of you will know there's a room just behind me, which is our dressing room, and uh, kind of where the artists, if they come in to play. Yesterday we had a big folk festival on, there's lots of musicians in there. We've started writing pieces of scripture on the mirrors. Things like Esther. For maybe you were born for such a time as this. And we want to speak words of life over people that come through the door, whether they're performing here, whether they're having a cup of tea or coffee here. We're starting to rewrite the story of this venue. So that's been my story, personally, and kind of vocationally, if you like. But what about you? What about you? As we've looked at the subject of kingdom carriers, what kind of emotions has it evoked? I'm guessing for some, some of us, when we talk about it, you can probably feel held back. There's a, a fear or an anxiety. The idea of stepping out and the authority that, that Paul talked about last week just fills us with dread. 
because you don't know what it will lead to and you don't know how your life will, will change if you do so. For others of us, basically you just don't want the awkwardness. The reality of being a kingdom carrier is it can be quite awkward. It can lead to some really cringy moments. And some of us just don't want that. We're naturally, we're harmonizers. We don't want to jeopardize friendships or relationships. You don't want to kind of upset the nice office workplace dynamic you've got. You don't want to be that kind of slightly weird other person in the office. Some of us are actually really keen. We're like, yes, I get this kingdom carriers thing. I want to go for it. But you just don't know how to start. You don't know, don't know how to get going. Uh, for others of us, maybe we've been burnt. Actually, you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, well, do you know what? I've really stepped into that authority before, but it's gone wrong. You've prayed the prayers, you've put yourself out on a limb, you've put your head above the parapet, and then just when you really need him, God has not turned up. He's not shown up in those moments that you've really needed him to. But that's the now and the not yet of the kingdom. So you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, do you know what? I wish this church was not talking about this stuff. You're like, I'll be relieved when this is all over. And we can talk about something else. Grace, love, that, that kind of stuff. And some of us, you're waiting. You're waiting. This was how I was. You're waiting. In your mind, you're like, I'm, I'm just not ready yet. I will be, but I'm just going to wait until I'm ready to do this. Maybe when I'm a bit older. When I'm a bit older. Maybe you're learning English as a second language. Maybe when I know the, the language a bit better. Maybe if you're at university, maybe you're thinking, well, look, maybe when I graduate or when I've got different housemates next year. Whatever it is, whatever that kind of disclaimer is, some of us are waiting. And yet, wherever we are at with this subject, we're going to have to look at it again and again and again because this isn't an optional extra. We don't have kingdom carriers as one of our hallmarks in this church because it's a nice tagline. But we have it because we can't escape from the sense that we are people who carry the kingdom of God. It's not just a nice idea. It's, it's impossible to separate the idea of saying yes to Jesus and following him in your life and not stepping into a life of being a kingdom of God carrier. Let me also just say, if you're here tonight and you actually would say that you haven't said yes to Jesus, maybe you're here tonight because you're exploring Christianity, you're kind of investigating who Jesus is. Firstly, welcome. It's just so amazing that you're here. You could not be more welcome. But secondly, when you, think, you might be thinking, I don't know really what I'm talking about. Don't worry, lots of people are thinking that. But also, if you're here tonight and you haven't said yes to Jesus, and you're like, what is this kingdom carrier stuff? Let me say, like, Saying yes to Jesus and carrying the kingdom of God is an absolutely exhilarating adventure. It's the perfect reason to say yes to Jesus. Because you might, you might feel like you're sitting here tonight and you think, well, my life's already pretty adventurous. I guarantee you, if you say yes to Jesus and carry the kingdom of God into other people's lives, it, won't, it will go beyond compare anything else you've done. Right, let's look at what happens with Jesus' disciples. So Jesus' disciples, if you're not too familiar with the Gospels, <coughs> excuse me, they were the people who spent the most time with him. They were the closest to him personally during his life on earth. They spent hours and hours and hours with him, learning from his teaching. They witnessed his miraculous ministry. They asked him lots of questions. 
And basically, they spent time with the ultimate kingdom carrier. Jesus was the ultimate kingdom carrier. And after they'd spent lots of time with him, inevitably what happens is he then said to them, it's not just for me, you guys go and do it. So last week, Paul looked at the creation account. We looked at the authority bestowed upon us by God right from the start. Later on in the series, we're going to look at, in the book of Acts, how the early church, after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the early church was empowered and you know, grew explosively as the kingdom of God broke out there. But in the middle, we've got Jesus and his commissioning, his calling and his commissioning of his disciples. So let's look at that now. If you've got a Bible with you, turn to Matthew 9. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. It will be on the screen behind me. Excuse me. Cool, so we're doing it. It's the end of chapter 9 and start of chapter 10. So starting at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his disciples to him, and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. When we talk about being a kingdom carrier, it's really important to remember that as a church, it's not the full sentence. What we talk about in this church, with all our values, is that we are captivated by Jesus and compelled by his love to be kingdom carriers. And that's exactly what happens here. Jesus, his disciples, are absolutely captivated by him and they're compelled by him. So let's just quickly look through how Jesus speaks and challenges and resets their mindset. So first off, Jesus does the why. The why. Before he sends them out, he says to them, this is why. He shows them why. Verse 35. This is when Jesus is ministering himself. Verse 35. The brokenness. All this brokenness. Many, many breakthroughs are required. There's sickness and captivity everywhere he looks. And the kingdom of God is obviously needed to bring healing and restoration. Verse 36, lost people, lostness. It says that Jesus saw them as sheep, like sheep without a shepherd, and he is filled with compassion. 
His heart is burning for those towns and cities and villages that he visits. Verse 37, the size of the problem. It's big. It's a big, big problem. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. It requires a big, disproportionate response. It's going to require an all-in, disproportionate reaction. This is not, he's saying, this is not the time to be half-baked. Verse 38, his prayer. Jesus asks his heavenly Father to provide kingdom carriers. He prays and he tells others to pray. And the amazing thing is that as his disciples become kingdom carriers, they are literally the direct response to his prayer. They're the direct answer to his prayer. So this is the context in which Jesus sends out his disciples. He calls them, he commissions them, he sends them out. He's walked and seen so much and his heart is absolutely broken and stirred to see the kingdom of God break in. And he is praying for people to bring that life and bring that restoration. Nothing's changed. If Jesus was to walk around Cardiff or any other city in the world, I suppose, today and then come to this church tonight, he'd be in exactly the same state. His heart would look exactly the same. And he would say the same thing to us. He would call us, commission us, send us out. Send us out to minister to that brokenness and to that lostness. Secondly, he makes a very clear call to action. He he puts the call on their lives. Moving into chapter 10, verse 1. Authority is given. It's interesting as he does this. There's no caveats, disclaimers, no provisors. There's no kind of sense of him saying, guys, what you can do, you go out, and when you pray, you can do the stuff where one leg grows, but leave the blind eyes and the impure spirits to me. None of that is there. He's saying, all authority is given to you. Everything. You have authority over everything. Every situation, every day. Verse 2, everyone gets to play. The list of disciples dismisses any notion, as you look at it, that there is a a prototype kingdom carrier. There's not just a certain personality type or person of a certain experience, you know, with a requisite level of expertise or anything like that. If you look at that list of disciples, there's fishermen, there's a tax collector, there's a political revolutionary. In today's terms, that might be a white van driver through to an administrator, through to an internet blogger. Unfortunately for us, the call to be a kingdom carrier is uncomfortably wide. It's all-inclusive. I'm afraid it doesn't matter what your job title, whatever your course degree that you're studying, it doesn't matter what, what your life situation, you are eligible to be a kingdom carrier. Thirdly, uh, verse 7 and 8, look at the brief. Look at the briefing that he gives them. He t- Jesus tells them exactly what to do. Verse 7, announce and demonstrate the kingdom. So go out, tell people the good news. Tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. Tell them that it's come near. Tell them that the rule and reign of God is breaking in. Tell them that there is a totally different, glorious reality And then, 
Demonstrate it. Pray for people. Pray for healing. Pray for freedom. Pray for lives to be changed. Pray for stories to be rewritten. So don't just say it. Show it. Fourthly, there's a, the wow moment. Well, I think it was the wow moment. Jesus has this moment where he reinforces to them, again, he's speaking to their mindset. He's saying to them, this is going to be incredible. What I'm, going to, what I'm asking you to do is, is beyond what you can imagine. Verse 8. To be a kingdom carrier is to usher in the extraordinary. Jesus talks about uh, touching, touching the leper, leprosy. At the time, someone who had leprosy, no one would ever touch them. Anyone, no one would ever, anywhere near them. He's basically saying that to be a kingdom carrier, you will do the unthinkable. He talks about sickness. At that time, most sickness would have been beyond medical and human help. He's saying, what he's saying there is, if you're a kingdom carrier, you will see the supernatural. Resurrection. He talks about resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. It's the miraculous. He's saying, if you go and become a kingdom carrier, you will see the impossible. As Jesus calls us to be kingdom carriers, there's an audacity to it. He's saying, go and do the audacious. If you're up for a challenge, then this is it. And then, finally, Jesus goes back to the why. He speaks again to their hearts and minds. He reminds them why. Verse 8. Freely you have received, so freely give. As Jesus sends his disciples out, he reminds them of the God that they follow. A God who has poured himself out. It's a God who took on flesh and blood to be with them. And though they did not know this at the time, it was a God who would later lay down his life and go to the cross. It means that the heart of a kingdom carrier is, is one that is a life poured out, just as God has poured himself out for us. To be a kingdom carrier, we lay aside our own agendas and we pour ourselves out in the service of our king. It's then when we do that, we step into that obedience, that's when we'll see stories rewritten and our city restored. Let me, um, we're going to pray in a minute. Let me tell you a little story before I finish about, um, I still play a bit of basketball, but not very well. I used to play basketball a lot. Not, even then, not very well. I was a bit better. When I was at college, <clears throat> I was part of a team that was actually very good. And we played a match. Uh, it was a National Cup semi-final. And we hadn't lost a match all year. And uh, that was very little to do with me, I should say. <laughs> I had the joy of playing for some very good players. We played the National Cup semi-final. And we played away from home. We were at the school, uh, college we were playing against. And uh, I can't remember where it was. It was a long drive. Anyway, I remember that in the minibus. Never comfy. Um, we, the whole thing was going really well. We were 16 points up with four minutes to go. Um, if you're not familiar with basketball, that's the equivalent of kind of in football terms being 4-1 up with five minutes to go. You should win. Okay. 
It's not like darts. You can't get 16 points in one go. Um, so things were going well. And suddenly, the team we're playing against got a few fluky baskets. And it's, they had quite a big crowd. There's probably about 100 of them. There's about five of, five of our supporters for us. It suddenly all felt very pressurized and very hostile. And what happened to us as a team? Suddenly, no one wants the ball. And I'm part of it, I'm on the court. Ball comes to me, no thank you. But no one wants the ball. And we all stop moving. Basketball's a game of you pass. I was about to say you pass and move. That's the Liverpool groove, isn't it? I shouldn't say that. But you <laughs> pass, and it's lots of motion. If you see, you ever seen good basketball teams? Lots of passing, lots of movement. Everyone suddenly stands still. No one wants the ball. No one wants to move. We absolutely shirked it. And I'd love to say that we snuck home, but we didn't. Lost by three points. And the minibus home afterwards. Full of regret. Full of regret. Could have been playing the final, would have going to be in front of a GB international match at the National Arena in Sheffield. And we missed it. Because none of us wanted the ball. And none of us wanted to move. As a team, individually and collectively, we totally abdicated responsibility. We had all the skills, we had all the knowledge, hours and hours of practice. Our coach, we had the authority, our coach, you know, had sent us out onto that court. He wasn't going to come onto the court and do it for us. He trusted us to do it, and yet we, yeah, we, we bottled it. As a church, and for all of you, whether you stay in this church for one more week, one more year, or wherever you go on to, wherever city you end up, as a people, let's not be like that team. Paul talked last week about the authority. We've been invited to step into this authority. So let God speak to us about our mindset. Because if you want to see genuine transformation in your life, if you really genuinely want to step into this authority as a kingdom character, you want to see amazing things break out in the city. You want to see amazing, God-given, God-inspired, kingdom of God breaking in moments in your life. It will require you to let God change and totally recalibrate your mindset and step into it. And he will. It's possible. I'd love to pray. Should we stand?